Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Brie. And today we have someone very special with us. We have Charlie James from Thule Publishing. Charlie, how are you today? Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you both today. Well, we're happy you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So we're going to start out with some icebreakers here. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. If you came with a warning label, what would it be? <laughs> um, probably hide your snacks. <laughs> oh. I love that one. I'm a snacker. (laughs) And knowing me, you probably should hide them from me. Yeah. I can't. (laughs) We would love to hear about your experience working as a wedding planner. Absolutely. Um, So I started my career as an event planner shortly after I graduated from school. I went to Johnson and Wales University and It was so neat to learn about um, different cultures and how they celebrate their most joyful moments, um, weddings and quinceañeras and sweet 16s, um, sandeets, mitzvahs. It was a lot of fun. It was, it could also be very stressful, um, especially uh, like mothers of the bride and (laughs) things like that. But it was a great experience. Did you have to learn a lot of that before like an event would happen? Like, did you learn all of that? And then as the events happen, you're like, oh, I know how to do this. Or was it a lot of, oh, I have a quinceanera to plan. Let me learn about this. Like, how did that happen? It was definitely a learning curve. Um, But after my first experience doing a bar mitzvah, I was like, wow, I really need to read up and make sure that I'm doing all these events justice. So you do learn a lot and you meet a lot of different people. And um, it's so much fun. I loved doing tastings with all of the weddings and the mitzvahs and sweet 16s and all of them. Um, But I ended up drinking way too much coffee because while they were eating, I was always drinking coffee, like coffee after coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I can see it like as a snacker loving the tastings. Yeah, absolutely. All the cakes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trying to type while eating. (laughs) What is the first song on the soundtrack of your life? Oh, gosh. Uh, Probably Crazy Train. I feel like I'm always flying by the seat of my pants. Um, My parents are forever uh, griping about my car. It's it's like a garbage can. Um, (laughs) Love it. I love it. A lot of my heroines will be um put together on the outside but inside <laughs> just a mess because <laughs> something totally we can all identify that. with yeah yeah it's so <laughs> relatable <laughs> uh, so from seeing your instagram you have some very adorable pets in your home can you talk with us about them yes absolutely so we have a little bit of a, a farm going here or zoo whatever you want to call it um but we have three dogs and i mentioned before you might hear them barking downstairs um we have a cat my kids have a bunny rabbit. Its name changes based on the week. Right now, it's Sky <laughs> Coconut Everest. Uh, long name for a rabbit. And then we have a northern blue tongue skink um, and a bearded dragon. The reptiles are mostly mine. My husband's horrified. Um, and then we, have, <laughs> we have three tortoises. Um, he said, if I ever bring home a snake, he's out the door. So oh, we- oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> So you're wearing him down on that. Is that, yes. is that what you're <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. The reptiles. Where did the reptile want come from? 
I had the biggest uh, childhood crush on Steve Irwin. I thought I was going to move to Australia and work at his zoo, but that's where I think the reptile fascination came from. And I worked at a pet store. I think it maybe was in middle school, um, but I, I love taking care of the lizards and all of the creepy crawly stuff. I got to say, I love it when I find a new author and I find their Instagram and a lot of the pictures are about their pets. I, I, I just, I just love that. It's just great. Yeah. I'm definitely an animal person. <laughs> like I'm not the biggest cat person, but I love following cat people just because cats have like their own personality. Like they're unapologetically oh minding my their business. And then here you are snapping a photo and they probably hate it. Like I just love cats. Yeah. Our cat is, <laughs> our cat's so awful. <laughs> <laughs> He's charming, but he is the worst behaved cat. He will hang from the door frames. He knocks stuff over purposefully. He's just kind of a jerk, but he's so cute. It's, it's a hard, uh, a love-hate relationship we have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and just like right, they're aware oh, of how powerful they are. Yes, they know it. They know that we're here to serve them. <laughs> we love to hear romance origin stories. Share with us how you became a romance reader. So in high school, I worked at a tanning spa and one of the other employees left a Nora Roberts book behind the front desk and I opened it up and like first two pages in I was totally sucked in and from there I like I went to every bookstore I bought everything she had had like the little companion guide um, but I think within the first year I'd read all of her books I um, wow. my grandmother was a Nora Roberts fan so I rated her old books I love how it like reading can go from generation to generation yeah. and I love how it can kind of just span decades so that was oh, yeah. that was is how I became hooked on the genre, but there's so many books I love, but definitely romance has always been kind of a staple for me. Okay. Follow up. If you had to do like a beginner's guide to Nora Roberts, mm -hmm. what would like your three, if nobody, somebody's never read her before, what would be your three Nora Roberts recommendations? I would definitely go with the Chesapeake Bay saga. I love it so okay. much. I've read it multiple times, but it's about three brothers who have really traumatic past um, and they're adopted and through their trauma they kind of heal and meet these wonderful women as they're trying to figure out that maybe their parents weren't who they thought they were so it's it's really fantastic and I, I love her books okay so have you have you stayed current on her on her bibliography on her you know backlist I have I haven't gotten to the awakening series yet but I'm so excited to start reading it wow and so does that does that count for JD Robb also you read all of those? I haven't read all of J.D. Robb. Okay. I started those um, and I do love them. I just, I never fully finished the series of that, okay. but it's been a long time. I mean, it's time. like crazy long, like what, like 50 something books? Yes. My gosh, that yeah. woman. <laughs> yeah. She is like my Supergirl crush. So your book, The Bookworm and the Beast, released in 27, uh, December 2017 as part of Entangled's Publishing's Bliss Line. We'd love to hear about your journey into publishing. Writing has always been one of my favorite pastimes, but in 2015, I got serious about my writing and I knew if I was going to break into publishing, I needed to learn as much as I could about the craft. So I had reached out to Red Pen Coach and I was connected with Donna Altward. Um, she is a New York Times bestseller. She's written like 60 books. I think she's been on this podcast before, um, but she really took me under her wing and um, 
she was I love hearing that oh wow (laughs) I did just an instrumental part of my writing life and I remember we met at a conference and we went to breakfast and I was just totally starstruck um I matched my outfit ahead of time I did my nails I don't think I've ever gotten ready I've ever uh gotten ready for a date like this Um, (laughs) and then I'm pretty sure I totally creeped her out because I was I was uh saying that I felt like I was with a celebrity and um but she stuck with me and to this day 10 books later um I'll still bounce ideas off her and she's a good friend Um, and then for any aspiring writers I would say um it's always good to listen to the people that came before you um Margie Lawson has some great programs I took a course called good to sold with Shirley Jump and she's another really great teacher um she's had an oh I have one of her nonfiction books yeah Yeah, she's really good. Yes, she's had a great career and she really gives you some tough love, which sometimes I need. Um, Mm -hmm. But I've been so lucky to have such a big support system from other authors who who just kind of pay it forward and and help the way they were helped. Well, I love that you shared that because that's that's kind of me. Like when I made the decision, like I I want to try writing, I'm one of those people where I'm like, I need to know what I'm doing. (laughs) You know, I can't just like my mind does not work in the sense of like, I can just sit down and do it. Like I need to know what I'm doing. I need to ask questions. I need to read the blog posts. I need the book on craft and all that. So, I mean, I I love hearing you say that because I think that that's okay too to like pursue that knowledge and then you know as you're sitting down and writing because you hear just get in your butt get your butt in the chair and write and it's like but some people's brains don't yes, work like that you want to get in the chair yeah <laughs> and I've had I've had people come to me now that I'm published and ask for help with this manuscript or that manuscript and it's it's fun to be able to help other authors on their journey because there's always room for more books especially from a bookworm perspective yeah I'm always looking for new new authors even though I have material to read for the rest of my life (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah yeah speaking of reading material let's talk about your Northampton Hearts series which it's just so good. It's part of Thule's American Heartline. Um, so what is it about Northampton that inspired the choice to set the series there? Northampton is just such like a neat little city. Um, it's super inclusive and artsy. It has all of these little stores that you'd love to pop into, like mom and pop stores and really good restaurants and the architecture. It really does look like the covers of the book. Like you think it was a picture from there. I think on my Instagram, I have some photos of Northampton because it's not too far from um, my house, but it's just a really fun place to visit. And I thought it would be cool to have a story set there because my other series, Cape Cod Shore, is from Cape Cod. So it's kind of a very small town, touristy area. And Northampton is more of a small city. Well, I have to admit that I I Googled it. Because <laughs> I was like, this feels very real. So I Googled yeah. it and I was like, oh, it is based off. Of-. And like you said, it like the first photo that popped up, I was like, this looks like covers. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. In the winter, they do all like the little spiral lights up the trees. It's just very neat. Oh, awesome. Quintessential New England city. So the series begins with 12 Dates of Christmas which has our heroine Grace quickly come to the realization that the hero Owen has taken suggestions from her book, literally, for the dates he's been taking her on. Where did this idea for this fun premise and story come from? So the beginning, um, Grace bumps into Owen, who's 
totally bewildered during a shopping experience. He's trying to find Christmas presents for his nieces and he has no idea what he's doing or what he's looking for. Amazon ran out of whatever he had. And so he's totally lost. So Grace finds him in an aisle, kind of helps him figure out what he's looking for. Um, and that actually happened to me at a Walmart over um, a Christmas a few years ago. And there was a gentleman looking for, I think it was like a poopsie surprise doll um, or something like that. And we looked through the whole store and we finally found it. And later I got in my car and I was like, wow, that would be a really nice meet cute. Um, <laughs> so that's what it became um and then that somehow kind of threaded off of her being an author and writing a book and him following these uh dating ideas kind of down to the t in an exasperating way yeah for the heroine it's hilarious how she gradually she's like this feels very familiar and she's like, no, but no, right? Like, he's a guy. Why would he be reading my book kind of thing? Yeah. And then the, I think her friend or something's like, maybe see if the next date, if the next date feels familiar, then yes, you're right. And so the next date happens. She's like, yep. <laughs> like, I wrote this to the, t it's so funny, but like, and oh gosh, he's like so hurt. Like, no spoilers, yeah. listeners. You have to read the book. It's fantastic. But it is just so sweet, but so funny at the same time. It's adorable. <laughs> we were excited because I have to say, we we talked about this a lot. We don't feel like we actually see a lot of Valentine's Day representation in romance. So we were really excited to see Valentine's Day be the holiday for book two, 14 Days of Valentine's. And the holiday plays such a significant part of the story and is really a driving force for so much of the plot. So can you talk about what inspired the choice of using Valentine's Day? as the, the follow-up for book two. Absolutely. Um, so I, at the time, I was working at um, a group home for individuals of all different abilities. And it was around Valentine's Day and we were making cards for the residents. And I was thinking how nice it would be if the community got together and really supported um, the group homes and children's organizations um, just to make everybody feel included and special. And so that's kind of how the idea was born. Love it. Um, Love it. I, I thought that um, Peter, which was the the ex-fiance. Yes, the ex-fiance who had passed away. Um, she's been trying to carry on this tradition of giving back to the community. And it just gets to a point where it becomes too much. And to move forward with her loss, she really needs to let it go. Um, so that's kind of the driving force there with her meeting Adam, who is a psychologist at the volunteer after school program. So adding on top of that, the heroine Savannah struggles with um, the, the guilt over the death of her fiance. So would you have any kind of writer advice to give to someone trying to write guilt into their book. I would say use your own experiences and bring forth some of those feelings uh, that you went through. Even if it's not a similar type of loss, um, you can just call in those visceral reactions to show your reader what the character is going through. Um, the hardest thing I've ever experienced is learning that my youngest daughter was born with a congenital heart defect. Um, so there are so many raw emotions watching your child go through so much pain to survive and see other families facing the same things. So even though it's such a it's such a different kind of grief you can still pull forward all of those physical emotions and help your readers feel it with you well you switch things up <laughs> with six days of spring which <laughs> releases may the 12th and is the perfect spring read share with our listeners what dahlia and tristan's romance is about 
Absolutely. Um, so with Six Days of Spring, Dahlia and Tristan, it's a story about um, enemies to lovers. They have a decades-old feud and then a chance accident with um, her sister brings them together and they learn how wrong they were about each other. Um, and they kind of, in a strange way, have been a staple in each other's life, even from very far apart. Um, and it's all set around a spring flower show. Um, and I remember when I was younger, my parents would take us to the Boston Flower Show. And I was thinking, oh, wow. what a cool setting that would be for a book. So it's a farmer's market, a festival. Um, so there's lots of spring visuals in there. Yeah. And it just, the that whole spring theme works with the the theme of the characters too and the whole new beginning story and everything it was it was a really great read thank you so much and the farmer's market i want more farmer's markets in romance novels yeah <laughs> and i loved the the little details um connecting like the pickle and preserve from 14 days of valentine's with the sister's pickle and preserve she's the owner i loved connecting all those little details because the other series i have are so closely tight-knit by family it was fun kind trying to find the little details to connect this series um mm -hmm. like they all share the same apartment and then some of the shops mm -hmm. the same shops they visit um so it was a neat way to connect it so can you share with us where the idea of the broken foot came from it, it seems like uh, you know not a, not a small thing in the moment but it seems like a small thing in the long run but it, it keeps coming back in, in this yeah. story and, and really ties a lot together, which is fun. So she is watching Tristan's father single-handedly destroy her family's business. And they're at a point where um, her his father and her dad are fighting in the background. And she kind of goes to him and is like, what, what the heck? Why is your family doing this? And he's just so nonchalant about it and kind of being a jerk that she just kind of gives him a verbal whiplashing and then stomps on his foot and runs out the door. And for him, that that's kind of a defining moment in his character arc. Um, he realizes that maybe his childhood hero, his dad, isn't who he thought he was. And he starts taking a closer look at everything going on around him. Um, and then he also feels really guilty. He knows that he was in the wrong. So he starts writing her these letters and... Um, he kind of gives her a good-natured ribbing about stepping on the foot. And even when we <laughs> remade again later in adulthood, he still kind of is giving her jabs about that foot. Yeah. Yeah, that was such a really like, I think, powerful moment. And it's through the characters, like the perspective of them as kids. You know, she's like, like, I think she says, like, why does your dad hate my family so yeah. much or something like that? Mm -hmm. And he's just like, it's just business. And you can tell that that's something that his dad, he's, he's either heard his dad say a lot or his dad has like is trying to ingrain in him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's this you can just feel that moment of confusion of like him seeing her hurt. And like her reaction, like by stepping on his foot and like that moment where it's like, okay, maybe it is just business, but like that doesn't make it right. You know, right. like it's just a really quick moment that just is like so powerful and just changes so much, I think. So it was such a fun way to start the book out. Absolutely. <laughs> I love feisty little girls. <laughs> Me too. I have two, two feisty little girls of my own, so... <laughs> I totally see the little one doing that. So now that the third book is coming out, I mean, I would love a fourth book, but I'm assuming this the series is over. Is the series over? Um, at this point, yes, but you never know. Okay. okay. What did you enjoy about writing the series so far? I loved that it was um, sweet and funny and it flowed easily. Um, it's just a nice 
light read if you're looking for an escape. And it was like that to write too. So the Cape Cod Shore series that came before that, that was a little more on um, the suspense side, a, a little bit um, darker. And then I also write a vision series for Evernight Publishing, which is a thriller um, and a suspense and it's a little bit more spicy. So it's sometimes nice to write the more sweet books. Yeah. yeah. Kind of that hallmark you feel. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a hallmark lover. So you nailed it. Just saying. Thank <laughs> well, are you ready for some round out questions? Absolutely. Besides reading and writing, what was one of your teenage obsessions? Lizards. <laughs> people were always giving me their sickly lizards and I take them home and kind of nurse them back to health and at one point I had nine lizard tanks in my bedroom with all of the heat lamps it was like a sauna in there 24-7. <laughs> my poor parents um one time I had a little bearded dragon that got out and it climbed in the shower with my sister <laughs> like, oh, oh, <laughs> So she'll never let me forget about that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm just hearing screams from across yeah. the house, and the, yeah. <laughs> I think that's my favorite answer to this question I've, I've heard so far. <laughs> and like listeners, you cannot judge a book by its cover because if you see Charlie James in real life, you're going to be like, "You're the lizard." <laughs> I got a lot. I got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything reptiles. Tell us one film or a television show that you'll never stop watching. I'm a bookworm at heart, so I don't watch too much TV. But if I'm watching TV, it's Special Victims Unit. Um, <laughs> so must be you. Must be you, yeah. So I watched that in college when I was bored. Every now and then I'll flip it on here. I've watched every episode, but... I just keep going back to it. I love that show. I'm always like taken aback because our other co-host, Sarah, she's a huge like CSI fan. So when you said that, I was like, oh gosh, another, (laughs) (laughs) another fan. Those are like too creepy for me. So (laughs) I used to be so paranoid in college after watching those and walking back from Providence Place Mall from my job candle and keep looking over my shoulder. I'd have my phone out. Not a good series for the naturally paranoid. What is one hill you will wholeheartedly die on? I truly believe that everyone is better together thinking about children and adults, whether you're neurodivergent or neurotypical or have physical challenges. I think everybody is better together. Um, I'm lucky to work with um, children of all differing abilities at a school, and I absolutely love it. And it's the best moment when you see kids of all different backgrounds and different physical limitations getting together and teaching each other something. I think we all have a lot to learn from each other. And I love those connections. Yeah, absolutely. So you decide you want takeout for dinner tonight. Where do you order from? And what's your order? Um, If I'm picking the takeout, it's always going to be Italian. um, And it's eggplant Parmesan. My favorite is Eno's in Worcester, Mass. It's like this really cute old Italian place and they have the best stuffed eggplant. This is why I need an East Coast trip because I'm an Italian food lover and I live in San Antonio, Texas. So we don't have a ton to pick from. <laughs> Amazing tacos, but you know, not tons yeah. of pasta unless you, you know, count Olive Garden, which I don't. So. <laughs> and I'm a big Susan Stoker fan and she always talks about the, um, like the fried taco 
tacos. Yeah. Oh gosh. It's it's in Texas. It's it's heaven here. here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Taco heaven. <laughs> what is one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever received? Um, so when we were at Boston Children's Hospital for my daughter's first surgery, learning that she needed a second, my um oldest, who's uh, a very old soul for her age. She told me, be brave, not like a baby who goes, wah, wah, wah. And then she reminded me that if I was crying, I was going to wake up the kids who were coming out of their surgeries. Um, so that's become kind of like a motto for our family. Just be brave. You, you never know what to expect in the future, but you have to look at it with a little bit of bravery. And she still reminds me of that. And I have a tattoo of it on my shoulder. Oh, that is so I love, sweet. I know. I love when kids give advice. Like yeah. She's very wise for her her. Well, knowing what you know now, what would author Charlie James go back and tell herself at the beginning of your writing career? Definitely be patient. (laughs) That is not one of my strong skills. I like immediate gratification, but that is so not how the publishing industry is. It can take months and months to hear any kind of feedback, if at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And I always had such a hard time. I checked my phone a thousand times a day, but uh, Donna Allward told me, she said, the best thing to do is start a new manuscript. Once you someone and start the next one and no manuscript is ever wasted and there's no um advice more true than that especially with publishing yeah Yeah. so we're getting six days of spring in may from you is there anything you're able to share with us about what you have coming up next Absolutely. So coming soon is the second book in the Vision series from Evernight Publishing, and I'm very excited about it. It's The series is about um, three foster brothers and a foster sister, and the brothers go into law, law enforcement because of their shared trauma. Um, and it's really just about overcoming obstacles and finding love. Um, it's a suspense series, um, and again, a little spicier than the sweet Hallmark series I have with Thule. Um, But it's exciting and I think it's fun. Um, And my mom read it and my grandfather actually read it. Oh, love it. I saw it on my dad's nightstand. I was like, no. (laughs) But okay, so is the suspense like a nod to your days of reading Nora, like your teen, teenage you reading Nora Roberts? Like, is that where the love of like suspense writing came from? It could be. And I also love Susan Stoker. I love Riley Edwards. They write great military romance. Um, I got a little bit of a feel for it when I was writing the Cape Cod Shore series because Dangerous Water and Caught in the Current do have a little bit of a suspense thread in them. Um, But it's what I love to read. So I wanted to try to write it as well. So far, so good. Yeah. Well, lastly, where can everybody follow you online? Absolutely. So my website is... um, charliejames.com you can find me on twitter at charlie j romance on facebook at charlie james romance and um i have charlie's inner circle which is my uh reading club oh fun okay okay well all we'll ha- we're gonna have all of that listed in the show notes so listeners awesome. make sure you check the show notes so that you can find all the places to keep up with the wonderful charlie james and we will also have links to all the places where readers can find your books wonderful. get your hands on this northampton series guys it's yes. so good thank you so much it was such a pleasure meeting you both and chatting with you thank you you have thank to you. come back yeah. you have to come yes. back. thank you I would love to. <laughs> all right listeners well Aaron and i will chat with you in our next episode. Have a lovely day. Thank you for listening, everybody.